Today's episode of the Celtics Noise podcast is brought to you by the Modern Dog Boston. With one location on Dorchester Ave and a brand new location in Marina Bay, the Modern Dog Boston offers everything that your pup needs, from dog walking and play groups to do-it-yourself dog washes, professional grooming, and doggy daycare. Make sure you visit themoderndogboston.com and give your pup what it deserves. Here is episode 10 of the Celtics Noise podcast. Welcome to episode 10 of the Celtics Noise podcast. Today, we welcome in for the third time Twitter's other Wilbon, a founding father of the Belly Rub Boys, the Chicken Wing King, and my best friend since I was two years old, Will Weir. Welcome to the show. What up, what up, what up, man? Yo, I've been thinking about this podcast, been dreaming about this podcast since the other night. I'm ready. Let's get into it. I love it. Before before we talk about the uh, Celtics Raptors, man, you just did you watch any of that Pats game? Oh, dude, it's a great weekend. Celtics just are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Pats are back. Cam's back, and I just I just texted one of our buddies. Pats win the division again. I'm all I'm back in on this Pat season. I was I wasn't <laughs> sure how I was gonna feel about it. Wasn't sure what it's gonna feel like when we get done with this podcast and I turn on the Bucks game and I got to see Tom Brady in a different uniform. I feel like. There's going to be like this weird mix of feelings of like seeing your ex moving on. And it's, you know, you, you, you pretend that you want them to be happy, but do you really? I don't know. So I, I think there's going to be some weird feelings, but seeing Cam and seeing him play today, back in on the Pat season. Let's get it. Let's get it. I love it, man. But what did, um, I, I actually didn't watch any of the game because I was kind of preparing for this pod and I was watching the Clippers Nuggets game, which was crazy. Nuggets came back from like 18 down. They ended up winning by like 15 or 16 points, and they just shut down the Clippers. Clippers looked like they had no spirit. The uh, the whole second half, they were just uh, floundering, and Paul George didn't have it. Kawhi didn't have it. Montrez Harrell looks terrible. Lou Williams wasn't bringing the, the typical spark off the bench. That Nuggets team is uh, pretty legit, man. It's It's weird, man, you know. You and I have been talking, and not just you and I, everybody's kind of expecting at this point that it was going to be LA, LA, out West, and, you know, it's going to be a Kawhi versus LeBron battle. But that Clippers team, man, I just, I don't get it. On, on paper, it, they should be the best team. But just game to game, are they going to show up? Are they going to have heart? And this is where, you know, Kawhi being, you know, kind of that silent leader type, you know, it, it's he's not going to be the guy that you feel like is going to be in the locker room afterwards right now, given this, you know, rah, rah speech is going to be like, you know, get these guys refocused and re-energized. So where's it coming from? You know, is it Doc? Is Does Patty Bev have enough pull? What's Are we getting playoff P or pandemic P? You know, I doesn't you don't know who's going to show up game to game, but it's, you know, I, I got to say, I'm very impressed by the Nuggets, man. You know, they're a super deep team. They actually remind me a little bit of Miami just with how deep they go and how versatile they can be. And, you know, they have kind of those same questions at the top, like are Jokic and Murray somebody that can be in a Western Conference final or an NBA final? You know, they were down 3-1. Apparently that's their secret sauce, get down 3-1, and and then they start making comebacks. Yeah, man. I I think watching that game, I only caught the second half of it. I almost wasn't going to put it on. I was going to put the the Pats game on. It was an 18-point game, and then I checked back two minutes later, and I saw that it was a 13-point game. I was like, all right, I'll throw this on. Like Maybe Mm -hmm. the Nuggets have a run in them. And then from that point forward, the Nuggets dominated the game. And uh, you talk about where is the spark going to come from. I was thinking it might come from uh, Pat Bev, but he actually fouled out. 
with uh, maybe okay. like eight or nine minutes left in the game. So once he went out, uh, they tried Shamit, they tried Reggie Jackson, they ended up uh, going super small with Jermichael Green at the five, and I mean Jokic was just dominating them. Um, they moved the ball well. Porter had a couple big shots. Murray had a couple big shots. But impressively was their defense, man. They stopped the Clippers on 10 straight possessions at one point to end up taking the lead. Yeah, I only caught the, the very end. It was, and I think it was after I saw a, a tweet that, that you had put out there. And so I threw it on and the Nuggets were already up, you know, a, a couple points at, uh, at the time that I had, had put it on. But I saw the, I think the Clippers made 10 field goals the entire half and the last two were, you know, kind of garbage time buckets where they're already down double digits. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that type of defensive effort from, from a Nuggets team, but hey, two best words in sports, game seven coming up. Let's go. Let's get another one. All right. Uh, so let's get into the Celtics and Raptors recap. Um, obviously, that was an unbelievable game seven. Celtics brought forth all the effort you would hope. Um, they, you know, put a little scare into us towards the end. I was, you know, you, you, we watched a game together for everyone out there. And I was pacing around the living room the whole time. And when we went up 10, I said, no excuses. We're either good enough to win this game or we're not, right? There's no way you can mm-hmm. blow a 10-point lead and, and with four minutes left in a game. Um, shout out. I, I did the little uh, hangover pod, but shout out Marcus Smart again with one of the best defensive plays of his career. Uh, definitely a top five defensive play since I started watching the Celtics. Um, Jason Tatum with that huge rebound saving Grant Williams. Mm -hmm. I think that was, you know, even though he only hit one of two free throws, you know, it's a big difference. Uh, Raptors having the ball coming back down the court, only down two versus down three. So especially Lowry fouling out of the game. Once Lowry fouled out, man, I was just like, Whoo, I can breathe that. Yeah. That's the first time you felt like, okay, we can, this is our game. You know, there's not going to be. This last minute, Kyle Lowry, you know, Kyle Lowry is the, you know, the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to the Raptors. And, you know, one of the things I think, and I think we might get into this in a minute here, but I think back to the podcast preview that you had for that series with Kari and you guys tried to break down. All right, we can agree Tatum's the best pl- player or should be the best player in this series. And then you both kind of came to the agreement, and I, I would have been there with you at the time. Like, okay, Siakam's probably the second best. You know, we can think about Lowry. We can probably make a case for, for Kemba or Jalen. But, like, you know, it's, it's probably Siakam. And he just simply wasn't, man. He just, he just wasn't that guy, you know, in this series. And so I wasn't worried about Siakam coming out down the stretch. Van Vliet, you know, he works his ass off to get every single bucket. You saw him hunting that three towards the end of the game. Finally got a matchup on Grant, but there just really wasn't enough time left, and Grant played good defense. And after that, and plus Lowry being out, game was just a wrap at that point. Um, but you're right. It was one of those games where we just, you know, every little moment of that, it just felt like the intensity inside your body was just growing and growing and growing. And, you know, when Marcus made that block, I think I ran halfway up the stairs at your house. <laughs> yeah, that was really an unbe- unbelievable play, man. And going back to Siakam, uh, you know, there's that one stretch where I think he had a couple baskets in a row, um, where I don't know if they were back-to-back possessions, but he mm-hmm. scored, you know, multiple times in the fourth quarter, I think both times on Grant. And you and I were talking about when do you go back to Tice, when do you go back to Tice? And right before Grant had a couple plays, I said, man, Grant really hasn't had an opportunity to – 
to make his imprint on this game yet. I think you got to give him a few more possessions. And then I think the next possession, he actually got a great defensive stop. Um, but Siakam was just like, I'm, what was he bringing to the table? I said after game four or game five, I, I said Nick Nurse got to think about benching him. Um, you know, he, he wasn't bad on defense in that fourth quarter. So I don't think that was the game to bench him. But there was definitely some sort of adjustment I think Nurse could have made with Siakam on the bench because they just – with him not being able to shoot and then force-feeding him the ball down low, I just don't think that they had enough punch offensively um, because Lowry, you know, he, he, he's a great player, but he can't do it every single game. He's not one of those guys that's going to drop mm-hmm. 30 every game. So game six was the game that he dominated and – Although he was still scaring the shit out of me every time he touched the ball, yep. Smart really took him out of his rhythm in Game Seven from the jump. Yeah, and I think that ultimately, you know, was the difference. And Nick Nurse continuing to stick with Siakam. There's a couple different things. One, you know, he's your max contract guy. The, you know, you look at the end of last year, the way that this year started, and it almost was like we're we're forcing him to get the reps. And you know, maybe this this could go one of two ways either Siakam maybe he's really just a number two or number three like he, he is still good Don't, like he's a great player he's just maybe not a number one or maybe this is the series where you know later on in his career you look back it's like man Siakam got killed in that series and he takes it and learns from it you know who knows could be one of those learning moments where he takes his bumps and bruises but you know with Nick Nair sticking with Siakam I was looking through and you know if you look at their rotation they really only went seven deep minus a couple of Matt Thomas minutes here and there yeah, uh, yeah in a couple games and then factor in that Marcus Gasol was a giant zero minus the third quarter of uh I think it was game was a game five or game six where him and Van Vliet pretty much scored 30 points in the first you know six to seven minutes of that quarter you yeah. take away that quarter Marcus Gasol was about a minus 19 minus 20 pretty consistently just about every game so you really got a tight rotation of six players that Nick Nurse was was really pulling from so even if you wanted to bench Siakam I don't know in the moment and then especially trying to project long term because he's kind of that number one guy for the Raptors that they're really invested in long term. Kyle Lowry's not going to be around much longer. He's already 34. He's going to be an expiring contract next year. They got to make a decision on Van Vliet now. Uh, I believe he's either a free agent or a restricted free agent. So Siakam's the guy that's tied up there. So, I, you know, as much as Nick Nurse is, you know, he and he showed the different strategies that he's willing to go to. I don't know that you can take Siakam out in that. You can't, You got to find a way to maybe make him a little bit more effective and put him in better spots. But he's he had to be, in my opinion, be on the floor for, for a lot of that. And, you know, it played out by showing that, you know, the Celtics had that higher-end talent, and that's ultimately what ended up winning us the series. Yeah, I, I was wondering if you're going to get to that Nick Nurse point because that, that's my thing. Nick Nurse was willing to pull out every single stop imaginable except bench Siakam. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the if, – if Nick Nurse was – if there was any coach that was willing to bench their star, it was Nick Nurse. And I just kept expecting it, kept expecting it, kept expecting it, and it never happened. And thank God because anytime Siakam had the ball or anytime we had Siakam in a switch, I felt comfortable with that. And I think all Celtics fans felt comfortable with Siakam with the ball, with the ball in his hands. Um, but one thing I, I, I did want to talk about before we get into the Celtics Heat series was – I kind of wanted to ask you what your lasting impressions of this Raptors team is after that hard-fought seven-game series. Very good, but not good enough. That's that's real. I mean, 
when we talk about, you know, Siakam and they want him to be that number one guy, you looked at him as the number two guy last year with Kawhi and the way he started this season red hot. And then you can kind of look after the first, I think it was like five or six weeks, his numbers started to decline a bit. They're, they're a team that, you know, they have pretty much all the pieces you want. They have the coach you want, but they're missing that top end guy. And you just look historically, you know, at, pretty much almost any NBA champion, they have a top 10 guy in that moment on their team. And historically, you know, minus the Pistons team that beat the, uh, beat the Lakers, that's going to hold true. And they don't have that guy right now. And, you know, for the Celtics, that's what we're hoping Tatum is, is that this is him making his mark into that top 10 category. And, you know, we'll talk more about that as we get into the, to the heat Celtics series, but for the Raptors, you know, they're, like I said, very good, but not good enough. And I think they're at an interesting crossroads right now of, of what they do. Um, you know, Marcus Gasol, he's clearly not the player that he used to be. Kyle Lowry's on that expiring. Do you, you know, I like Fred Van Vliet a lot, but, you know, we talked a lot about he works his ass off to try and get shots. He's not going to be that, you know, maybe number two. He's definitely going to be the number two guy. Maybe he's your number three guy, and that's a damn good number three guy to have. Um but I don't know. Do you take Van Vliet, you take uh, OG, and you take Siakam, and you got that to work with? I mean, that's not a bad starting place. Maybe they flip Lowry. It's going to be a very interesting offseason to see how the Raptors try and try and build from here. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of teams out there that need to try and go get Kyle Lowry. Um, he could help. I think he's a culture changer, and I think whatever team he goes to next year, he's going to bring them up the, to the next level of whatever they were. If they were not a playoff team, they will now be a playoff team. If they're a playoff team, now they might be in the conversation for a conference finals. And if, if you know, he's going to a team that's already a contender, who knows what could happen? Cause I mean, I, I think all the Celtics fans out there, although Lowry was a pain in the ass, I think he gained mm-hmm. everybody's respect. I think he gained the respect of all Celtics players. You know, even that, I think the one play that really showed me, how much respect the Celtics had for him was when uh, he and Smart were going for that loose ball towards the end of the game and they helped each other up. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think that was just like a perfect um, screenshot of the, of that series and how Celtics fans and the Celtics team feels about Kyle Lowry. Um, one thing, because I really do want to get into the Celtics heat series because, you know, we can talk about the past all we want, but I, I'm, I'm ready to move on from it. Um, one thing that I'm going to be looking at in the Celtics heat series is something that happened throughout the whole series with the Celtics Raptors was the Celtics lack of late game execution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I don't think we scored a basket in the last four or five minutes. I think it was all free throws. And that was the same thing in game six. Um, It's like when, if Kemba's not the guy that's scoring those last three minute buckets, and the whole defense is focused on Tatum, where is that offense going to come from? And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that the Celtics don't, don't have the championship execution yet. I think we have the heart. I think we have the defense. I just think if there's anything that's going to stop the Celtics from actually bringing home banner number 18, it's the fact that we just can't execute down the stretch. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's anything, you know, crazy to say here. Other than, I mean, that's Tatum and Kemba time. That's that's what they're there. That's that's going to be when they need to put the team on their back and be those guys that can go get us buckets. And that's 
you know, you look at a lot of the champion, you look at championship teams, that's what they have. They have a Kawhi, they have a Steph, they have a KD, they have a LeBron, they have someone that can go get them a bucket. You can go, you have a Paul Pierce and a KG and a Ray Allen that can go get you a bucket when you need it. And that's, that's going to be Kemba and Tatum. And yeah, it's going to be on Stevens trying to set up something that puts them in the right position to make the right play. But end of the day, Kemba and Tatum are going to have that responsibility fall on them. For sure. So let's put a let's put a bow on this one. Uh, Celtics beat the Raptors in a hard fought seven game series. Shout out Kyle Lowry. Shout out Fred Van Vliet. Shout out uh, Serge Ibaka. Celtics were the better team. Brad Stevens was the better coach, and Celtics are top to top to bottom better organization in my opinion. Um, and you know we're moving on to another team that has all the pieces in place to to really give the Celtics all we can handle in a seven-game series. And that organization is the Miami Heat. Now, the Miami Heat, um, they've had an unbelievable bubble – well, bubble playoffs. They weren't great, yeah. actually, in the, in the seeding games. I mean, they were something like three and six. But they were just trying to get it together like most teams were. So I think you can really only judge this team on the last two series. Mm-hmm. Even though they were 44 and 29, they were a good squad during the regular season, they were very active at the trade deadline. So all the rotations that they were playing in games against the Celtics earlier in the year, even the, fir- even the game in the, in the seeding games, it's very different from what they actually put out there for a product in the first two, in the first two rounds. So I honestly don't think we can learn much from anything that's happened with the Celtics and Heat up until this point of the season. Well, let's hold up right there for a second. I know you went back and took took a look at the – and I agree with you on pretty much everything you said right there. The the Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala uh, acquisitions are going to be a big part of what we talk about here. And, you know, as a chicken wing king, I know a lot about wings. And the Heat get a lot of wings, man. They got a <laughs> lot of people that they're going to be able to throw at us. And that's going to be a huge difference maker in this series. But right now, I know you had a chance to take a look at the bubble, the bubble game for the Celtics and Heat. Uh, there's a lot of factors in there that aren't necessarily going to translate. But real quick, throw it to the Willie May coach's corner. Shout out to our guy, Willie May. Was there anything in there, even a little thing that you saw in that game when you had a chance to, to rewatch it as we're heading into this series that you can take, you think might actually have an effect? Because like we said, there's a lot. Butler didn't play. Hayward was healthy. Kemba wasn't. Smart had a quick foul out. Um, you know, Cantor played a lot, and I don't think we're going to see him maybe at all or very little in this series. But was there anything that you found in rewatching that game that you think could have an impact on the series? Well, it's funny you bring up Cantor, man, because he, the Heat love playing a zone. Um, now, that, that was before they, got, they made all these moves where they're very switchable on defense. So I don't necessarily know that they're going to be reliant on a zone. I think they played zone to cover up for the fact that they didn't have elite wing defenders up until they got Crowder and Iguodala. I think that's why they've kind of gone away from that here, here in the playoffs. Um, but Canner, I think if Miami does decide to go zone to hide Dragic and hide Hero, um, I think Canner is a guy that could make a difference. He completely dominated okay. uh, for about a five or six minute stretch on the offensive boards, but on the other end of the court, Dragic took advantage of him. Mm-hmm. And I think the Heat were just in a great offensive rhythm against the Celtics in that game. And I think that's because Canner played so much. So I think you're right, man. I think Canner, he might get an opportunity 
early in the series just to see if the guards can take advantage of him because Dragic wasn't playing as much um, earlier in the year. They, they weren't starting him. He was actually coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. So he's the type of guard that would kill Canner, and Hero's the type of guard that can kill Canner in those screen and roll actions. So that's one thing I would definitely look for is how the Heat adjust to a non-Cantor Celtics when they don't really have anybody to take advantage of. And, and as good as their wings are de- defensively, they don't really have great offensive wings. So most of their offense is going to be coming from Dragic, a, Butler, but I think we can neutralize Butler. Uh, I think we have the wings that can take Butler out of the series, and we're going to – I think what you're going to see is Stevens is going to make um, Jimmy Butler be the guy. I don't think mm-hmm. – you know, I, I think that – Stevens would be very happy if we took out Hero and Dragic and made Jimmy Butler do everything, you know, because um, I think Dragic is a guy that can give the Celtics more issues than Jimmy Butler. We, I think we can, similar to how we approach the Siakam matchup, and we said, hey, Jalen, cover cover, uh, cover Siakam, take him out of the series. I think we can do that with, with the wing talent that we have. Um, so I would really look at, in the first couple games, who Stevens is targeting as the guy he wants to take out. That's definitely something I would look for. Um, is Another thing to think about is when Hayward is actually healthy, what Stevens decides to do with him. If he yep. decides and to bring and him this is the, the big, this is the big X factor that's looming over the series that, you know, at this point as we're recording this Sunday afternoon, we don't have, you know, a definitive timeline on how this will play out. I think, you know, our best guess is that, as Celtics fans, we're hoping that as early as game three, maybe we can see Gordon Hayward. I think, you know, game three to game five is maybe somewhere where we see him. Um, but that's that's going to be looming over this series, and especially depending on how the first couple games play out, whether or not that, that intensifies about when is Gordon Hayward coming back. Because I really think that, you know, if we can get even 15 to 20 minutes of Gordon Hayward, you know, that's going to be a major difference in this series for the Celtics. For sure, man. And I think Hayward's going to be coming off the bench when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Smart's been so great defensively. Uh, we were we were a really good defensive team with Hayward, but with Smart on the court, he just sets the tone from the beginning of the game. And there's no lull. The Celtics come out and we're ready to play. If there's anything that you could say about – Hayward being in the starting lineup is that we don't really have an alpha dog in that starting lineup. Mm-hmm. So I think having smart in there just sets the tone defensively for the whole game. And that will allow Hayward to come in and just be the primary ball handler with the second unit. I think that's going to be really important in this series. Um, now talking about what the heat are going to be able to do um, against the Celtics starting lineup. Well, the, the starting lineups for the Heat right now, they they go Dragic, Robinson, uh, Bam, Butler, and Crowder. That was their starting lineup against uh, against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And what I would imagine, going more to like what to look for in the coach's corner, I bet you Smart starts on Dragic and Kemba will be on Duncan Robinson because Robinson's so, uh, so good at going off those screens and Kemba's – Kemba's small enough and quick enough, I think, to get around the screens and really get into his airspace. I'd be surprised if Kemba starts on Dragic. So I would, I would look to see Smart locking down Dragic, taking him out of the game. I think you're going to see uh, Jalen on Jimmy 
Tatum on Crowder and Tice on Bam. That's that's what I'm thinking. Okay. And that was going to be one of the questions that I wanted to bring up was, was who do you see Marcus Smart guarding in the series? I, I feel like I could – I think him on Drogic makes a lot of sense. You know, you talked about offensively, Miami's kind of a, a unique team. They have a very spread out uh, approach. Right now, I'm actually looking at they have uh, six different players that are averaging over 10 points per game. And so, you know, they're, they're going to be a team that spreads it out. But Drogic is a very key part of that. Him and Butler are really the two main guys that have that, you know, 20, 30 point potential. And so if they get, you know, a game or two from them that puts them way above their average, that just changes, you know, their increased variability of, of what their ceiling can be as a team. So being able to control at least one or two of them is going to be huge. So I think it's interesting that you think Marcus is going to start out on Dragic. What I'm curious to know is so right now, Duncan Robinson starts, but really Tyler heroes, their, their fifth starter. When it, when you look at minutes per game, Hero's playing over 30 minutes a game. He's part of their closing unit. When we get to the closing unit, how do you see those matchups potentially changing? And do you think maybe at different times we could see Marcus even guarding Jimmy Butler? I, I honestly don't see Marcus on Butler in this series. Um, I think that that would be an easy way for Marcus to get in foul trouble is guarding Jimmy. Um, I, I kind of see him taking away those guards because there's – if you watch them, uh, they're so screen and roll heavy that I think Marcus is our best defender in the screen and roll action. So I see him guarding Hero down the stretch. Um, Hero's just – he's Which one of those the guys – He's been unbelievable in the playoffs. He's – Hero, I did not see the season and the especially the playoff performances that Hero's been having. He's been freaking fun to watch, especially in that Buck series. Exactly. And that's a, that's why I say Marcus is going to be on hero down the stretch, but I think that's going to be something that, that kind of switches game to game. Mm-hmm. Um, whichever, whichever guard is going off, I think you're going to see Marcus try and st- slow him down. I think they're going to start with Marcus on Dragic, And then in the fourth quarter, Stevens will make the adjustment, which guard is killing us. And Marcus is going to cover that person. Cause he did the same thing against the Raptors. He started on Lowry and then when Van Vliet got hot in game six, he put Marcus on Van Vliet right after that stretch where Van Vliet had like nine straight points or whatever it was. And then he took Van Vliet out of the game, you know. So I, I think Marcus, obviously, everybody knows he's our defensive ace. So whichever of those guards is going off, Marcus will be on him. So in a pinch, I think Marcus could cover Jimmy. But I think Jimmy's just a little too big for Marcus. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and I think it, it's better suited for Jalen or Tatum to cover Jimmy. And I, one of the X factors to me is going to be what Bam Adebayo is able to do on offense. He was really impressive against the Bucks, man. He's hitting little mid range. Mm-hmm. Um, they trust him a lot to make decisions. Uh, I think he's averaging over four assists a game. Yeah. And... Almost, almost five assists. And a lot of times he's actually the one that ignites their offense. He he'll bring the ball up. He'll start their offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bam's been one of those players. And I remember hearing, you know, we took, we know from the beginning of the season, Team USA, obviously, in the FIBA tournament, didn't work out, but there were four Celtics on that team. Bam was supposed to be on that team. I, don't, I believe he had to drop out towards the end, but he was one of the guys that I feel like you heard a lot of buzz about during, um, during the Team USA camp and obviously had a, you know, a pretty sure. short all-star season. 
I'm pretty sure he got cut, man. I'm pretty sure they chose. Did he get cut? Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he got cut in favor of Miles Turner. Yeah, that seems like a bad I, choice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they were looking for a little bit more shooting out of their bigs. Um, I'd, I'd have to double check that, but I, I remember him. I I don't know if it was in the Zach Lowe article, uh, that was written on Bam, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he was like very offended by the fact that he didn't make that team. Yeah, at least and he if fucking you, played like it, man. He ended up making the all-star team, made all-defensive team, and, you know, there's a chance he ends up on one of the all-NBA teams. For sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's a great player, man. I remember the first time I saw him back when uh, pre-COVID, I used to go to Las Vegas every summer with my brother uh, for Las Vegas Summer League, and the first time I saw Bam, I, my first, I watched him for two minutes live, and I said he's going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. And I, I don't know if that was this, the Vegas trip where you were there. I can't remember. But uh, I yeah, tweeted I it. For that one. Okay, I tweeted it. Um, it's, it. It's on wax somewhere. I could definitely pull that up. <laughs> but I remember, I think I was talking with uh, my brother's buddy, Reggie. And he was like, really, G? Like, you think, you think he's going to be defensive player of the year? You've been watching him for two minutes. I was like, man, the way that the NBA is transitioning, that dude has, like, Dwight Howard measurables with like the the defensive versatility of a modern big and that's what you need man he, he he's really impressive what's interesting with what the heat do and it's going to be um I'm, I'm looking forward to see who bam decide ends up covering because they put bam on jalen a lot this year in the regular season and i think with iggy and jay being there now i don't think he's going to have to cover jalen because jalen really took advantage of that matchup um I, I, I don't have stats to, to back that up, but I just remember Jalen looking very comfortable against Bam. Mm-hmm. So, and, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that's, that, that's almost a, you know, that's a great segue because that's something I have written down in my notes here as we were talking about, you know, these additions of Iguodala and old friend Jay Crowder. And, you know, now the Heat really have four different players that are extremely switchable that they can use on Brown and Tatum at different times, depending on, you know, the lineups that they're going with in the various situations. And so between Butler, Iggy, Crowder, and Bam, that's four really top-notch defenders that are going to be harassing Brown and Tatum throughout the series. You know, does that worry you at all that they can, they're going to be able to rotate those four in some capacity, should have relatively fresh legs, where you know Tatum and Brown are going to be carrying a lot more on their shoulders for for the Celtics and probably playing more minutes than those other guys. Man, and honestly, like I feel bad for saying this, the only one of those guys that scares me as a defender is Iggy. Um, okay. I I don't think Butler or Crowder can hold either one of those dudes. I think um, I think they're both really tough, but they don't necessarily have the lateral foot speed that is necessary to cover those two dudes, man. I I think that if Tatum or Brown tried to post them up. That's one thing, but that I think Brown and Tatum can go by both Butler and Crowder pretty easily. You you know from watching Crowder with the Celtics, he's really tough, but he's not like a perimeter defender. He's more like in the trenches. Like that's why he I thought he did a great job covering Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is going to settle for jumpers all day, and he can't really mm-hmm. take you off the dribble. I thought Crowder is the perfect guy to cover Chris Middleton. But Jason Tatum is Chris Middleton's mid-range game plus, you know, a, a great first step, which Middleton doesn't have. And I don't think Crowder has it in him to cover Tatum, man. I, I'm not scared of their wings aside from Iguodala whatsoever. Um, I think the Celtics are the better team. I think our wings are way better 
on both ends of the floor. Um, Iggy, Iggy's the one guy that scares me in the fourth quarter, going back to that late game execution. Because I think Iggy can hold Jalen. I think Iggy, if they put Iggy on Jalen, Jalen's going to be a non-factor. And if they put Iggy on Tatum, I think you're going to, you're, we're going to need a huge series out of Kemba. Because I'll tell you what, man, all the shit Celtics fans are giving Kemba for his performance in game six and game seven, that dude is about to feast on the Miami Heat. Yeah. He's about he, to feast. He has to. And, you know, I, I think we differ a little bit on the wings. I, I would say I'm, I'm not overly concerned, but just the amount of bodies that they can can rotate. And I certainly don't think any of them will necessarily completely negate Jalen or Jason. Uh, but it's more just the amount of bodies and the freshness that they can throw them that, you know, over a seven game series where these games are very rapid fire one right after the other. And depending on what we get from Hayward to come back, you know, that's where, once again, that looming X factor, if you have Hayward on there as well, now you got to take one of those wings and put them on Hayward. Um, and so they're not getting that same type of rest that when we have to play semi or maybe they're guarding, you know, Marcus Smarter, you know, for Bam, he's probably going to be guarding Tyson at, at different points. But, you know, that's ultimately, in my mind, going to lead to this Kemba matchup where Kemba needs to feast. Like you said, he has to be the guy. Right now, he's shooting 28% from three in the postseason. He's got to be able to take advantage of whether it's Dragic or Hero or none that's in the game that's guarding him. I would assume that those are mostly going to be the, the main three guys that are, are guarding him. He's got to be able to take advantage. This is really, I think, going to be a Kemba series. If Kemba's going to make his mark, this is where it's going to happen. And, I, I, I man, I'm, I'm feeling everything you're saying. I'm just looking at this Heat roster, man, and, like, I'm not scared of it. I'm really not. I think the Celtics, after playing, like, the, I think the Raptors were the perfect team to guard the Celtics and to make life difficult. I think, in theory, having switchable, like-size wings that the Heat have I think it's that's great, but I just don't think it's going to be difficult for the Celtics to score on this team, man. I think we're going to get whatever we want because they need to play Dragic or Hero, and mm-hmm. I think we can take advantage of those guys in the in the pick and roll situation. I think Kemba is going to break down their defense if they go if they go zone. I think they might have to go zone against us, um, which which scares me a little bit because I think that's where their length might come into play and the, yep. like the switchableness of it. Um, but I N- think- number one zone team in the NBA, by the way, and a little kind of a weird nugget within that they went zone more than any team in the NBA throughout the regular season. However, they actually haven't used the zone in any of their playoff games. So I don't know, yeah. maybe that's something they piggyback off from what they saw with the Raptors and nurse and the effectiveness. And so, like you said, that's, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But they don't have anybody like if they go zone, right? If the, the most effective zone that the the Raptors used obviously was the box and one to take Kemba out of the game. They don't have the guy that's going to take Kemba out of the game. Lowry and Van Vliet were like made in a lab to keep Kemba <laughs> away from the ball, man. They're just these tough little fire hydrants that you can't move. They don't have anybody on their squad like that, man. And I I think that this is going to be the the Celtics. In six, for I'm gonna go. I'm gonna jump the gun a little okay. bit. Okay. I knew we were gonna get this eventually. So yeah, yeah let's let, 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 let's I, just let's just transition to it right now. Tell yeah. me, you got Celtics in six. Give me give me a couple reasons why. Well, the I I'm just not scared of the Heat, man. Honestly, um, if this if the Heat are to win this series, it's it's gonna be because the Celtics fail to close out on shooters. Um, I'm not scared of what the Heat can do breaking down our defense. Now, if Hero as a 20-year-old rookie, 
is able to transcend into this like amazing playmaker, then by all means, Miami Heat go go to the finals. I just don't see it, man. So like, real I'm quick, looking, I'm looking real at quick their, on Tyler Hero, yeah. man. Just a, a nugget that I picked up listening to uh, Zach Lowe had a great podcast where he did a whole Miami Heat breakdown with uh, Dan Lebetard and and I think okay. Duncan Robinson came on. And you know, Dan Lemons are not not the not the greatest basketball mind, but does have great insight into the Miami Heat organization. And from his conversations with people inside uh, of Miami's front office, and I, I think this is probably a bit much. And Zach Lowe kind of reacted the same way, but they think Tyler Hero can be Devin Booker. That's their opinion of, of that's how high they think of Tyler Hero in that organization. So I just wanted to throw that out there and, and get a yeah, reaction from you. I, I mean. But Devin Booker, his rookie year, man, like, yeah, we're, we're, here, here in his rookie year. That if we're talking Tyler Hero in two, two to three years, maybe. I just don't think that this this roster right now is ready to beat the Celtics. Like they they haven't. They're much more well rested, and that's something you brought up earlier is how fresh the Celtics are going to be versus versus this squad. And I, I saw some comparison of minutes played in a series, and it was like the the top five guys for the Celtics. Have played like a hundred or hundred fifty more minutes in the playoffs than than the Heat guys. I got to go back and look at that. But it was like mm-hmm. as I as I was looking, I was like, "Whoa, man! Like we are we are gassed right now." But we we I think the c- couple days off is going to help. And I just man, I just don't see a Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic led team beating the Celtics team. We've been <laughs> to the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last four years. We have although we're young, we have all this playoff experience. And I just think it's destined that we're we're gonna take on the Lakers in the finals, man. I think this is the year. It's like I no, I don't want to bring up Kyrie, but you know, <laughs> getting rid of Kyrie and replacing him with Kemba and just the positivity that's been around this team all year. And I thought Hayward's injury might be the thing that stopped us from getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, and it wasn't. And Hayward's about to be back. And I think I'm so confident going into this series. And usually I just – I assume the worst is going to happen with Boston sports, even though we've been super freaking successful since <laughs> we were like 10. Um, but it's how we were raised, I, I, man. We, we grew up with the curse of the Bambino. So it was, it was – that was how we were brought up. And even though, you know, like you said, things have changed, that's still in our nature just from bro, from, from growing up. It is legit PTSD. Like I'm not I, – I, I, I don't want to make light of what PTSD is, but like I honestly think – It's sports PTSD. Sports, it's let's sports, be clear. PTSD, sports PTSD. It's sports PTSD. Yeah, and it, but it, but it's real, man. Like the anxiety, I feel. I just assume the worst is going to happen, and I can't shake it. But bro, like, if this Heat team is going to beat us with their with their with Jay Crowder and Kelly Olynyk and Duncan Robinson, like, go ahead, man, beat us. I just don't see it happening. I really don't. I think the Celtics team is better. Um, you know, I I might be eating my words in a couple games, but I I truly think that we're gonna have an easy time. Well comparatively easy time scoring on this team. The Raptors series, I think, was our biggest test. And once we beat them, I was like, all right, the Heat, yeah, they're going to put up a fight, but they're not going to fight like the Raptors did. They're not going to fight like this, the defending champions with Kyle Lowry, tough as nails, biggest balls in the league, you know, <laughs> trying, to, trying to take us down. I saw, actually saw John Calipari was uh, quoted as saying, Hero has elephant balls, which, which made me laugh. <laughs> That I would love to know the context in which it came up that Coach Cal is talking about one of his players' elephant falls. Shout out Ryan England. Okay, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so what do you what are your thoughts, man? What's your prediction? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I got Celtics in seven. I'm I I, w- I wish I had the same optimism that that you do. I you know I I think that this is going to be a much I don't think it's be a much tougher series than the last one, but I think that it's going to be much tougher than you know. I think that how you feel a, a, about it, and you know, for me, I do think that the you know I don't think the wings of the Heat are better, but I think that they have four really, in, in my mind, four four guys that that they can continue to rotate that I do think are ultimately going to give us you know some type of problems, and I think that with Hayward's, you know, absence looming in there and I don't know what to expect. Like we've been through this with Hayward so many times now, unfortunately with him coming back from injury and you know, what Hayward are we getting when he comes back? We've seen that typically when, right when he comes back, he's very tentative. He's a little bit unsure. And, you know, honestly, even with that, those minutes that he gives you instead of giving those to Semi and Grant, those are going to be huge. And that's part of the other concern is, is when you look at the two benches, there's, you know, probably a little bit longer of a rotation that I trust with the heat. The bench for the Celtics is kind of a crapshoot. Um, but I really think at the end of the day, you know, you, you talked about it in, in your pick, like, and we talked about it earlier with where the Raptors are at and the history of the NBA finals and, you know, Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo, is that going to be an, an NBA finals team that we look back in five years? Like, Oh yeah, that made sense. It's, you know, I just, I just can't wrap my head around that where Tatum, where he's at his now second conference finals in three years in the league um, had become an absolute stud already in three game sevens that he played in. You know, Tatum has that feel. He has that trajectory that it feels like, you know, when you break down and you look at all the NBA finalists, you can pick out several different players on each team where, yep, top 10 guy, top five guy, where if we get Lakers or Clippers in there and you're going to see, a, you know, the two headliners are LeBron and Jason Tatum. And I think when we look back in five years, that's going to make a lot of sense. When you see Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler in there and it's going to be him and LeBron, you're going to be like, man, that was a fucking mismatch. You know, and yeah, it's just, it's exactly. just, and it's just not going to make sense. And I know that's kind of a, a cop out because I can, in my mind, I think there's a very rational and reasonable expectation that the Heat can beat the Celtics. I really think that it's out there. But at the end of the day, I think Tatum, Kemba, and uh, and Jalen are going to are going to be too much. And I think I, I think it's going to be a grinded out series, man. This series, in my mind, there's no chance, regardless of who wins, that this series goes less than six games. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on Tatum. I'm gonna bet on history that he's gonna be on this projection of being top ten player in the NBA. This is gonna continue to be a coming out party, and it's gonna be the Celtics in the finals, seven game series. I like it. I like it, man. I, just just so everyone's clear, I did choose Celtics in seven in my in my podcast with Kari Thompson. I feel really good about uh, Celtics against the Heat. I, I, I think we're the better team. I think the only way the Heat upset the Celtics is if they have, like, a historic shooting series. I think if, um, if Dragic stays hot, Hero gets off, and Duncan Robinson is able to stay on the court um, and, and really spread, spread the floor. He's the guy that scares me the most. If Jay Crowder mm-hmm. wants to shoot – 40% from three again, like, go ahead. Yeah. Man. You Real know, quick, like, you, I, so you, you know, have you seen the Jay Crowder numbers from three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Apparently I know he, he only great. shoots threes. He, he's had, yeah. I wrote it down, he has 83 shot attempts in the playoffs, 75 or threes. Yeah, and I, his shot does look different. I, I think I heard Zach Lowe or Kevin O'Connor. It was, uh, yeah, it was KOC was breaking it down. Okay, yeah, like, he, he definitely did, I, I don't know, I haven't looked exactly 
at what the mechanical change he made to his shot is, but it does look different from when he shot with the Celtics. With the Celtics, it was more like um, he was sweeping his feet forward a lot more. Um, it looks like he's shooting with a lot less movement in, in his body. Um, it's like more up and down and less like sweeping his feet mm-hmm. two or three feet forward, like approaching the rim. Um, I, I kind of want to go back and look at, at his shot form with the Celtics versus the Heat. But, I mean, you know, man, if rooting for Jay Crowder is fun and all, but there's a ceiling to rooting for Jay Crowder, and I think it is a conference finals. I don't think he's, he's going to be a guy that is going to be able to be in an NBA finals. I think his shot is too limited. I think his defensive foot speed is too limited. I think the Celtics are going to take advantage of him. And I think Iggy – is going to be the guy that we have to worry about, not Jay Crowder. I'm not worried about Jay Crowder whatsoever. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, in my opinion, I think Jimmy Butler's, I think he's an alpha dog. I think he's going to, at least, you know, he's got kind of that mental complex, very Reggie Miller-esque, where I think he thinks that he belongs in the conversation with KD, Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron. He, let me be clear, he does not. But mm-hmm. I think that he thinks he belongs in that conversation. And so I think he's going to come out swinging. I think he's going to come out and, you know, He's gonna he's gonna have this mindset to put a blow to the Celtics early. I think we withstand that, knock him down a little bit. I you know I think from there that would be a huge advantage for us. But you know I'm pumped, man. Tuesday night game one. Uh, let's get it going. Yeah, we got another Zoom call to get to. Uh, thanks for joining me again, man. Uh, let's talk about watching that game one together on Tuesday. All right. Anytime, my guy. All right, peace. Hi, right, bro. That's it for episode 10 of the Celtics Noise podcast. I just want to apologize if there's a little bit of crackling in the audio. Uh, We're using the Anchor app, and for whatever reason, the app today was a little funky. But thank you for everyone listening. Thank you to Will for joining us. Go Seas. Here's my band, Black Sheep Optimus, playing us out. Like, oh my god, brother hates wild like a constant. Don't stop him, breaking out bars like a convict.